G'day legends and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and tonight we have a bit of a special treat for you all. It's a combination of our weekend review podcast and the Pot Noodle, you know, linking up. There'll be myself and Liam from the Pot Noodle, Paul and Anthony from the uh, weekend review and yeah, we'll just uh, all do something a little bit different. So uh, yeah, how you doing Paul? Right, I'm good Jared. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, yeah, but it's that's a bit of a bit of a novelty to to merge the two shows tonight. But um, with Sean, I think Sean's back in Scotland, so we'd have been yeah. down to two men. Um, and yeah, it sort of makes sense to jump in together. So yeah, looking forward to it. It's good fun. And how are you, Anthony? I'm very well, uh, Jared. Um, it's a public holiday here in WA this uh, week, so uh, Paul and I can uh, get on a little bit earlier. So um, we'll be able to go and treat our dinner and do everything. And here's Liam right now. Good timing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so yes, yeah, so it's good to good to join you and um, yeah, good to mix it up and um, have a chat about the weekend. There's plenty to talk about. How you doing, Liam? Good. I've just realised my camera was showing the mess behind me, behind me in the office. I'm just adjusting it there. You can still see my wee oh, dog, so we're all good. Um, I thought you just yeah. intimidating. Show your sword, Liam. Ah, uh, you know, come on. You know the sword is only for the OnlyFans page, mate. We've we've had this conversation. Um, it's behind the paywall. <laughs> Maybe a pretty big paywall, son. Anyway, um, <laughs> the um. Uh, yeah, good day. Just got back to the gym. Uh, I have now lost uh, almost 20 kilos since April, so I think I'm doing pretty well. Um, Go, you good thing. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Well yeah. Another six kilos now be the same weight as Clubber Lang, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good on you, mate. Yeah, we're just talking before you join us, Liam, that you know, it's the uh, combined show between you know, Weekend Review and the Pot Noodle, so you know, we'll have a bit of a chuckle. We're going to do a bit of a deeper dive than we normally would into the game on the weekend against Livingston. And then we'll have a bit of a laugh and stuff like we normally do go off on a few tangents. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So before we start, uh, up the top of the screen here on the YouTube channel is all the links to where our social media, so Instagram and Twitter, at Celtic Down. It's the same on threads as well. And find us on YouTube and Facebook if you search Celtic Down Under. Look for our Boxing Kangaroo logo. Like the Facebook page. Join the group. Uh, hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Hit the notification bell. All the good stuff that everyone, you know, everyone tells you to do. Try and keep growing the uh, growing the Celtic Down Under branding and the the channel, the everything that's out there on social media. And um, on top of that, we. Announced it last week on the Pot Noodle as well, but we're doing in the month of October in Australia, I think globally actually, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. So what we're doing as a Soak Down Under group is for the first time we're doing a fundraiser. So there's a, there's a, a um, mental health mob over here called the Black Dog Institute who are pretty big on the mental health research and helping people out and, you know, all all the extra stuff that people need there. And, yeah, so what we're doing is we're signing up. We're trying to raise, I think it's 500 Australian dollars. It might go there. Well, I think we're about halfway there already. So for the month, we're all going to be trying to walk about – I know I'm, I'll put that I'm going to be walking 100 Ks in the month of October. Everyone else has done their own thing. Like Pretty much everyone signed up for about 100 Ks as well. So we're all having a all having a crack there to just move our feet, get a bit of exercise. It's good for the head and raise some much-needed funds in – for people who need it. So 
There's a link in the show notes, however you watch this. If you can give anything, I know in the cost of living thing, it's hard, but if you can, please do so. So, Paul, we're going to start off with the review of Celtic 3, Livingston 0. So, saw the starting lineup come out. thought it was pretty much self-explanatory. Uh, we had Hart and Gold, Johnson, Lagerbelka, Scales, Taylor, McGregor, Hattade, O'Reilly, Maeda, Kyogo, and Forrest was the question for me. So what was your thoughts when you saw that starting lineup? Well, yeah, Forrest's really the only one that you, you know, you would go, well, there's a decision to be made there. Everyone else is pretty much picks themselves at the minute with uh, between form and injuries. Um, I saw a lot of stuff online, real backlash stuff on James Forrest, which... I get he's probably coming towards the, the twilight years, but a bit of disrespect really given a guy who's who's won what he's won and contributed what he's contributed down the years. Um, he came in his best form under Rogers the first time. Um, and, you know, need to mix it up. He, he's, you know, he's he's got a good record um, at the Spaghetti Hat. So I wasn't that surprised to see him in there. We're going to need to mix, we're going to need to mix the squad up over the next couple of months, you know, with, with, we're lucky we well, we're maybe not lucky. We would have rather been in would have rather been still in the League Cup, but we've got an extra um sort of few days to 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 train and get the group together and get a few people back. But after this week, you're probably playing every every week, twice a week for until Christmas. So like I said, the thought the, the squad's quite thin. So it made I think it makes sense to get guys like Forrest in um and get some minutes. And obviously as we'll come on to he unfortunately didn't get as many minutes as you would have hoped for because of uh, circumstances outside his control. Yeah, that's my thought as well. I bring in the veteran. Um, he's come in, he's done well for us in the past, but it's also we've got a lot of wingers there, but I thought it would have been Palmer or Yang starting. Tilio isn't there yet and so on. So wasn't overly shocked. Knew he'd do the job for us, but, yeah, I, I didn't think he did much. It wasn't very noticeable while he was on the pitch. But, yeah, Anthony, what was your thoughts on the overall starting lineup on Forrest, on just in general, uh, pick up on um, the team. Yeah, look, I mean, that, that was the one sort of position that was probably open. Um, we had uh, the um, the new winger start against uh, Feyenoords, and then we had Yang come on and thought Yang played pretty well when he came on. Um, so, again, you're sort of thinking between those two, as you said, um, from a forest. Um, I think if you're only making one change like that to your start in 11, I don't really think it's going to have whether you think Forrest is inferior to the other wingers that we have or not. I don't really think that's going to negatively impact your side all that much. You're playing on a plastic park. We know how hard and difficult it is to play on that thing. We know that Livingston are a big physical team. Um, Sometimes a bit of directness. Forrest has got the experience. He's played there before. Um, And, you know, it's it's horses for courses or whatever you want to call it. But I didn't quite get my knickers in the knot like some people on Twitter did uh, when I saw his name, you know, was starting. Just like he's part of the squad. He's there to rotate. Um, and as Paul said, the rest of the team picked itself, uh, like you say, through either injury or form. Um, interestingly, David Turnbull was nowhere near the team. That's two games in a row now that he's not had a look in, um, which is interesting considering his early starts. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was fine. And like you said, you know, obviously we didn't see much of James Forrest because of a, he got substituted at 30 minutes or 33 minutes, whenever it was. And secondly, for whatever reason, um, all the play went down the left-hand side. 
Um, you know, Greg Taylor had 33 touches after about 25 minutes, something like that. It was just all funneling down that left-hand side, and that obviously led to our um, our first goal. It's worth yeah, sorry, like... but it's worth mentioning that in in that short sorry in that short time oh. he was he was involved, but he was involved coming from right into the middle and even into the sort of inside left channel. He he was linked he linked with Greg Taylor really well to create that chance for Mieira, um, which was was closed down and was a good save. Um, so yeah, a bit disappointing for him really because I thought it would, uh, I thought what he did show was you know positive and it it would be nice for him to get more minutes. Sorry, Liam. Hi. No, I mean, what you guys have said, there's not really much I can add. I would just say that, you know, it is a squad game and especially playing in the Champions League, you know, I, we've said that, you know, players that are not in the Champions League squad, you know, for example, um, Kwon, Kobayashi, um, you know, Tilio, in the fullness of time, these are guys that you're going to call upon in the league. Now, James Forrest is also one of those guys, you know, I mean, he'll he'll still play a part in the Champions League at some point, I think. But if we, if he's if he's good enough to be in the Celtic squad, he needs to be good enough to be pitched in against you know against Livingston away. I mean, it's not exactly you know it's not exactly the Bernabeu, is it? You know. So if if we can't um you know if he's good enough to be part of Celtic's European squad, he's definitely good enough to be you know playing away at Livingston um on that utter cob of a pitch. Um, but uh, you know I I. I, I, I was shocked that he was in the team. It wouldn't have been my first pick. I would probably have gone with Yang. Um, and also, I think Palmer needs time to bed in, so you want to get him game time. But then again, Livingston has historically been a tricky game for us, as it was again at the weekend there, even though we ended up winning 3-0. Um, and maybe you just want the old head in there just to kind of steady the ship. And I think that was... Uh, that was the reasoning behind it, and I can, you know, don't don't necessarily agree with it, but I can definitely understand it. Well, he's one of those players as well for the club. There's not many in our history that scored a hundred goals and had a hundred assists, so he's been there, done that, and you know, consistently. When, as you said, Liam, we've struggled at at the spaghetti had where you know, there's a few things factors I looked into going into it, and I thought, okay, maybe this is the reason why, but. Historically, when we come back off playing away in Europe, we struggle in the league. On top of that, we tend to struggle on that on that carpet at Spaghetti Had, and they sit that deep that they're hard to break down. So, if you put all those you put those three factors together in particular, and then the red card that we'll talk about later. Yes, it was unfortunate that he that you know that Forrest had to be taken off, but at the same time, it made sense he was the guy to go off. And we still kept our shape and off we went. So for me, at the end of the day, I thought it was overall a decent, decent thing for us where we, you know, got the got the result and everything. But yeah, it was just um I think that's probably the reason why. Factor all that in get a bit of veteran leadership there. But yeah, we'll talk about the goals now. So we'll go to you, Paul. What was your thoughts on the first goal? It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Right, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on some of these players in more detail later. But Greg Taylor was absolutely phenomenal and back to his sort of best form that we saw in the last couple of years. Um, and he was he was involved really heavily, particularly in that first twenty minutes, half an hour um, before the sending off. And it's his through ball, I think, that um, tucks um, 
tucks uh, Hatate in, and then it's just a it's a basic clip, and he's it's just you know even 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 Beaton was able to give it without a hesitation. So it tells you it's a pretty clear a pretty clear penalty. Stonewaller, um, uh, yeah, absolutely. As as close as they get to those, and um, and obviously he, with with this, him and Turnbull have been sharing um, penalty duties. And obviously, as Anthony said, uh, Turnbull nowhere near. So he got up and dusted himself down and tucked it away. It wasn't a great penalty, to be honest. He was a bit lucky. Um, it was. It was probably if you're going to hit it that close to the keeper, you can. That's the ideal place because it's kind of in that little. It's in that little bit between the knee, the knee and the elbow. Um, but he got pretty lucky. The goalkeeper would be disappointed, but as I say, they all count. So got us off and running. And yeah, 14, 13, 14 minutes into the match and one nil up. Yeah, it it does kind of ease a lot of the pressure in a game like that because you know even though we've won the last couple of games domestically three nil, um. They've, they've still been a bit of a a bit of a slog to get those goals. Um, whereas you know in the previous regime, you know there were more chances and the goals were coming thick and fast. So yeah, good to get it under um, in nice and early. And it was yeah, so pretty pretty routine penalty, but a, a pretty lucky um, a lucky a lucky uh, shot that uh, probably should have been saved. Liam, being a former goalkeeper yourself. Mm. What did you think of the goalkeeper's effort there? Because I thought that, you know, watching the game mm. and just the contact on the ball sounded like a good old-fashioned bitch slap basically on the mm. ball and then it still went yeah. in. So what was your thoughts? I, I do wonder if the surface played a part actually because the ball did seem to drag. Um, I think Hatate made the mistake of playing the shot along the deck and you can't do that on an artificial surface because the ball is going to stick. And it took a lot of the power out the shot. And yeah, I'll tell you now, I would have saved that. Because I'm too fat to dive, I would just have stuck my foot out and that would have been enough. <laughs> um, no, it was it was one of, one of the ugliest penalties you'll ever see, but you know what? It hit the net, so I really don't care. End of the season, they all count. Anthony, what are your thoughts on that goal? Anything, Dad? Just can't underestimate an early goal, especially away from home. It's the one thing we've been guilty of this season is not scoring early enough. Um, even against Indy last week, it wasn't until the second half that we we got our first goal and went it went into cruise control after that. So early goals, especially in away ties, particularly on bad pitches, makes your job, you know, even with a red card, makes your job a hell of a lot easier than you know, being a nervy no-no at the 70th minute and you're still looking for a way in. So that can't be underestimated. The fact that Hart pulled a save not long before that chance, um, Bruce Anderson found himself in. So, you know, we, we defended. And that was that was probably the best chance to get him to that point. So, you know, we've defended well there. Well, Hart saved well there. We've gone out the park, drew the penalty, scored the penalty. Again, not convincingly, but we've got it. And that gives you that breathing room and that stepping stone and gets the crowd behind you. It just everything, the whole... Goals change matches, um, and that was just the perfect time to score. And like I said, and, and a venue like that, and then obviously we go down to 10 men not long after that, um, it makes a big, big difference. Um, and in fairness, the Livingston goalkeeper actually had a pretty good game. I mean, yeah, he'll be upset about letting that penalty in, but he had two or three really, really good saves. Um, he, he stopped Maeda twice. Um, and there was, a, there was another one I can't think of off the top of head right now, but he, he really he had a good game. So, um, but yeah, I just said you know he'd be, he'd be upset about that one, but he definitely he kept 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 Livingston in it at times. 
Yeah, we're talking about the keeper, like RL77 has said, I thought the Livy keeper looked like a prospect. Like To me, yeah, he did did look well. And it's been a lot of keepers so far in this league from what I've seen who are looking decent this season. So it's um, yeah, it was good. But as you're right there, Anthony, like it's spot on. Get an early goal, settles the nerves, calms you down. We've got three stands at an away game. So that gets the crowd up and about as well. So it makes it a de facto home game. And then they're sitting that deep. So now they've got to actually come out and play a little bit if they want to, you know, try and pick up something from the game. So they're not going to sit as deep after that. So, yeah, we'll we'll go through in um, order. So what was the next thing that main talking point that happened in the game, Paul? Well, it's the red card then. Um, <laughs> it's well, actually, the, did you get the yellow card before? There's two yellow cards to discuss before we get to the red card, and I, I don't know what beating's up to there. It's like in both cases, there's a foul. There's a foul probably on us first, and it, it ends up coming. So the the first one is Johnston's yellow card. Matt O'Reilly takes a horrible tackle, an absolutely horror tackle with studs. Like it could have been, that could have been a leg breaker. It was that house. That's how bad it was. Beaton apparently doesn't see that, and Johnston then goes in a fifty fifty. It's not the clean. It's not. It's not. It's a bit clumsy. And he has, he has got his studs showing, but he makes zero contact. And in actual fact, the Livingston player stands on him on the way through, but he collapses in a heap. Um, and, and his reaction, I think, buys the foul and then ultimately it buys a yellow. So that's absolutely ludicrous. And then you move to scales. And the other guy sort of stumbling and losing his balance and sort of lunges in on scales. And scales has just sort of put his leg into block. And somehow, and he takes a, he takes a heavy contact on his leg. And somehow, again, and again, the delivery action is to roll around and look like he's been shot. And again, the yellow card comes out for the Celtic player. It was absolutely ludicrous. So, um, yeah, just one of those sort of classic beaten type ridiculous decisions that you just, there's no explanation for. Um, and obviously no review because it's only yellow cards, so not, nothing, to get, nothing to get picked apart on VAR. Um, and then, yeah. The, the red card, which is of those three decisions, it was probably the easiest one. Uh, he, well, the one he did get right, the other two is badly wrong. And um, Hart's unlucky, I think. Like he, there's a lot of praise for skills, and and he, you know, he's 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 part of a defence that's kept another clean sheet. But I thought he got himself caught out of position a few times, especially first half, and 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 the, and the red card is another one. So he he tries to play offside, and he steps up a little bit. And obviously, it's in the still a new partnership. Lagabielka is a yard further back. That plays the centre forward on. He's then chasing, and then Hart has got no option but to to probably come. Uh, and there was one actually just a you know ten fifteen minutes earlier on the other side of the box, and he come out and he 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 just got there on that one. But it was the same idea: bouncing ball, centre backs have been stripped, uh, and he 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 gets the contact and he knocks it out of play. And this time he's he's just beaten to the ball by. Um, by the striker, and yeah, unfortunately, he's got to go. It's dangerous, and he catches him. So, um, and and you know whether it's the danger or whether it's the last man or a combination thereof, it it, it was a pretty easy decision to to send him packing. But um, he was kind of left exposed, and I think again the pitch is probably an issue here as well because you know the ball doesn't quite bounce through as quick as you would hope. It holds up a bit, and then he doesn't quite get there. So uh, I've got no, no real blame. With heart, he's kind of left exposed, um, and and yeah, unfortunately, it's sort of milliseconds apart, and he's uh, he's had to walk, and then unfortunately, we're left with Bain because of uh, the flaws in our uh, 
recruitment, which we're all abundantly aware of. So I'm going to bring up a comment here from John Clements, which touches on the yellows there. Also, it should be commented on beaten wrongly booked both Scales and Johnson in the first half, meaning that they're on a knife set for two-thirds of the game. Then books five, Livy plays late on, even up the stats. Yeah, it's spot on. It ties in exactly what Paul just was talking about there. Um, the thing I found funny, right, was, okay, you touched on it with Scales. When he got caught out a couple of times, I thought he was playing more as a on the right centre back position, like he'd shuffled across more than when he should have been over on the left. When he was on the left, he looked a lot more settled. But Joe Hart coming through. I was when I was watching, I was sitting just back in here behind behind the flag here, watching the game, and I'm like, as soon as I see him come through, I didn't even get upset. I was just pissing myself laughing, going, "Yep, he's just karate kicked someone, going straight through him, no arguments there," and then. The thing that I found even funnier was that they went to a VAR to check the onside because if he was offside, would he have He'd been sent off? off? Yeah, no, he would he have stayed on the pitch. That's the thing I found, I found even more amusing. I'm just like, I was just laughing because it was such a bad tackle from Hart. But then the fact they went to VAR and I'm like, oh, no, if this happens, just wait for the meltdown from the old, uh, all the things on Twitter. It'll be the funniest thing ever. Didn't happen, but I just thought that was a bit of a strange one. I hadn't seen that before. Sorry, yeah, Anthony. Oh, Liam, go on, jump in. Uh, so, sorry, Anthony, on you go. No, no, Liam, go on, you go. Yeah, fine. Okay, fine. No, fun, funny wee moment, actually, because uh, my, my wife was watching the game with me, and uh, I spent much of last Friday playing the new Mortal Kombat game for my PlayStation 5, and my wife says, uh, oh, I guess Joe Hart must have been playing that game as well. <laughs> Finish him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> proper roundhouse. Yeah. Uh, Right, I'm going to start the campaign here. Let's get a petition going, right? We want Joe Hart as a downloadable character for Mortal Kombat 1, right? It's got to happen, right? Get him in there. I'll pay good money for it. Let's do it. Can you believe that's his first red card in professional football? That's yeah, that's mad. Incredible. That's a crazy that's stat. That's a crazy yeah. stat. Considering how hot-headed he is, that's amazing. That is well, amazing. you know, like, you think just a lot of averages he'd have been sent off before now. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Well, yeah, keeper, yeah, keeper being last man, or you know, whatever. It's love averages said you would you would expect that to have happened. So yeah, I look at it and go more. I would have expected it not when he was playing at Man City because they had a lot of the ball. Not playing for us because we have a lot of the ball. But you probably look at it and go, oh, when he was at West Ham or Torino or someone like that. I'm sure he would have gone through someone. No, good fun. So, well, let's just talk about the rest of the goals, the rest of the game. So, Paul just or Anthony, what, yeah, I'll jump in. It's the next talking point after that. We'll just keep rotating around, just uh, and then we'll get through it, and then we'll do some player focus at the end of it. So, obviously, um, we had to take um, J- uh, James Forrest off to bring uh, Strotbane on. Um, you could see Brent Rogers giving some instructions to Talmac on the sidelines. So he was sort of saying to split. Um, Maeda and Kyogo play them as like two up front um, and then basically keep the rest of the team basically a, a, as is um, and it worked a treat I mean we, we saw the rest of the half they had that free they had the free kick from the red cards and it sort of whistled by the post nothing nothing dangerous there got to half time and then we came out the second half flying I was really really impressed with our 
pressing. It was probably some of the best pressing I've seen under Brennan Rogers. Well, the best, probably. We put them under so much pressure. We were hunting in packs um, and just really, really making it very, very hard for them to even get a couple of passes together to the point where I think Shane in the, the chat is on who's got 10 men. Honestly, it looked like they did. It looked like they did. We were just all over them like a rash. And it wasn't too long that we got our second goal. Kyogo turned um, provider. He sort of drifted out towards the right wing a bit and just was picking up ball by possession and having the space and time to turn and then whipping in some absolutely venomous crosses. And then the one that, that gets in, um, Maeda almost makes an arse of it um, and tries to get a touch just Literally. to get it across the line. And uh, the keeper, again, with a reasonable save, but uh, Matt O'Reilly, um, who has... And he's, to his credit, he's probably been the most improved player on the team so far this season. Um, he has definitely taken to Brendan Rodgers, um, and he followed in, and he made sure he absolutely put his laces through it, and there was absolutely no doubt where that ball was going, and that made it 2-0. And at that point, you just felt there was absolutely no way back for Livingston. Um, they'd not really shown much up until then anyway, but at that point, I'm thinking, no, nah, we, we're the team that are going to score another goal here. It's definitely not going to be them. But I was just really, really impressed. Kyogre Maeda had a really good understanding. Maeda, his work rate, I mean, it goes, like everyone's talking about it. Like just He was doing the running of two men. Uh, he was basically doing the centre forward and the left wing all by himself, just putting the pressure on. And a lot of the, the, the credit for that victory and a lot of the reason why Livingston couldn't get going, I mean, Livingston are rubbish, but we made sure they couldn't play. And a lot of that defending came from the front too and then filtered back. Because if you got lazy forwards, Livingston would have gotten the ball and, and maybe put us under a bit more pressure. But because they couldn't build anything from the back or from the midfield, because we were just all over them, um, yeah, it just like I said, it, it, it just fed into a, a comfortable day at the office. And, and you don't say that very often going to Tony Macaroni. It was a comfortable day. It was. And <laughs> we were down to 10 men for, like, for, you know, for 60 minutes of the match, 65 minutes of the match. So... Um, yeah, fair, fair credit to Brian Rogers, and he actually did say in one of his post-match interviews that he has contingency plans in place for going down to ten men. He he trains for it, he practices for it, so they knew what they were doing. And in fairness, they executed it to to the letter. So you know, it was it was great to watch. On that, Anthony he, Rogers would have got his little notebook out, you know, that he's always right, you know, and everything had everything sorted there, but. Yeah, I want to bring up some comments here that tie into what you were just saying. So, Andrew Galea, we look fantastic with a two-man forward line. Kiago Maeda can cover the middle and the wings. Um, and then we also had – I had another one here. Andrew as well was second-half midfield trio was the best we've had all season. And there was one other one that I wanted to bring up, but I've lost the comment. Oh, there we go. Pete McJBR clearly told Kelmack – to have two men playing wide up front when Hart was sent off and it worked a treat. So, yeah, as you mentioned about the group chat where Shane was saying, who's the team with 10 and everything like that, yeah, I just thought it was um, pretty noticeable that it. I think when we got down to 10, it seemed more like an Ange style of play, the way we have been playing the last few seasons with the pressing. It seemed to come a lot more into it than we have done so far this season. So, yeah, I just thought it was really impressed with what I saw even when we're down to man, but, Liam, what was your thoughts? Well, we talked a bit about Maeda then. It really reminded me of when I used to watch him playing for Matsumoto Yamaga over here. 
because they, you know, they ended up getting relegated that season. And although they weren't often down to 10 men, they were playing as if they had 10 men. And, um, you know, Maeda was always the outball for them. He would get the ball and run with it and take the pressure off. And if they ever did win a game, it was usually because he had create, either nicked a goal himself or created space, but with his relentless work to uh, to create space for someone else to score. So it really reminded me of that. And you really saw his defensive qualities um, as well as his attacking qualities, obviously, with that goal at the end. But yeah, it was um, it, it was quite rem- it was very reminiscent of, of a of a Yamaga game from back in the day. Yep, and Paul, you got anything to add? Yeah, I guess a similar similar to those points, but a slight tangent is I, I'm quite interested to see if in some of these Champions League games we go with two up top like that, um, and and be more compact in the midfield. Because obviously we could start the game with eleven. You could you could really you could really work a proper double pivot, which we've not really seen that often. Like Matt O'Reilly's dropped in there um, and played next to Kamak, or in the second half he got in closer to Wata, but then he's 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 more like a traditional box to box midfielder. But we could we could actually set up with the genuine double pivot, and because those two guys are their work rate's phenomenal, they could easily cover middle to wing on each side and they're both lightning as well so it's a real outball if we are you know if we're going away in europe i'd i'd be i'd be really keen to see if he he looks at that as a, a potential alternative strategy um so yeah I, I, they were both amazing Their, the work rate was great um yeah just just kyogo and and, and my dad you know both phenomenal and the team we never really looked threatened in the whole match whether it was when we had 11 or when we had 10 we controlled the ball well we kept our shape shape well we were disciplined all the things we were in the first half in, in Rotterdam really until obviously it came came unstuck um so yeah it was probably as comfortable comfortable a win as you would see us go to Livingston or even on any of the plastic so yeah job well done to be honest so Paul does that mean we go three five two then away in Europe once I'd we get another centre, I'd almost go four four two. Why not? Like and but but you know more like a double pivot and and sort of and out now. Yeah, a little, a little bit of width. Four a little bit two, of width. two two two. Yeah, <laughs> been talking about the old Ange Melbourne victory four two two two. That he used to play. You could do that. I think well, Rogers it, is probably. It, it is interesting that he decided to bring um, Tomoki Awasa on uh, for um, for Hatati. Because I mean, you know, going on early games, it would have been David, uh, David Turnbull. So he's definitely thinking a little bit more defensive there in a way. But um, it's good to see a why get minutes. Uh, I think he's very comfortable on the ball, and I think he allows Italian McGregor to push on a bit as well. So um, I'm well, yeah, glad to see happened, him right? starting starting to get him into the team. So you know, it's only again, it's getting more players, more time. Um, and David Tumble, he'll feature and he'll have his moments, you know, his games, but that definitely wasn't a game for him on, on Saturday. Well, Andrew Galead, and there's no comments early on, Rogers is still learning his players. He even noticed the water, which ties in there. So, yeah, spot on. I thought it was, um, and then there was this one, Awada played well. Yeah, it was good to see him get out there and actually play in the midfield, not playing the defence for once. Um I thought he looked pretty promising playing in the middle of the park. So finally got to see what, you know, people like Liam have been telling us about him 
for ages about how how much of a quality player is in the middle of the park, and we finally got a little look at that on on Saturday, and yeah, I was quite impressed, and I was anyway. Yeah, yeah, he was um he was exactly what I thought he would do when he finally got a run in the team, and you know that's um. That's the, 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 the very, like you say, Jared, it's the very qualities that people like me have been saying that he, he would bring. And sure enough, he actually showed a bit going forward as well. He made some good forward passes and there was that pretty wild shot at goal he had. But the fact that he was in the position, to, the fact that he got into the position to take that shot as a defensive midfielder says something about him as well, you know. No harm in that. You could, def- you, you could definitely play him, Carl. O'Reilly and Hitati as a as a four in midfield with the two of the two and 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 really apart from Hitati, the other three can all drop into that sort of holding six position, um. So it could actually be quite fluid and pretty dynamic if uh, if oh, he yeah. decides to go down that route. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see if if he if he messes around with the the formation and and, and tries to be a bit more innovative. Diamond midfield, Paul. There we go. Four four two with a diamond. There you go. Get it in. It'll work. <laughs> All I'll say is beware the four two two two. The last time Celtic tried that was with John Barnes, and it did not end well. <laughs> Smell the glove, beat your <laughs> yeah. foot. Right on cue. There we go. <sighs> I look like like anything. It's how you. It's how you. Um, use the players it's less Aye. about it's less about how what you name that system and more about how you utilize the players on the pitch to be honest john barnes's biggest mistake was thinking that craig burley was a defensive midfielder <laughs> that was that was his biggest mistake there he had plenty though no. <laughs> <laughs> i will just be like mm-hmm, not along and yeah. yeah behave myself because, yeah, I watched that whole season on VHS is getting sent over. So, yeah, my memory of that season is probably nowhere near as good as you boys. So I'll bow down to the Masters on that. Oh, I, was, I have it burned into my brain, believe me. That was, oh, God. Yeah, I was. I think that was one of my first, I think that might have even been my first season as a season ticket holder. Oh, no, it couldn't have been my first. I think it was the first season I was going to some games. I wasn't a season ticket holder until the following year, I don't think. But uh, I was, unfortunately, enough to have tripped down to Glasgow on the Saturday and the Wednesday for those uh, Cali Thistle games. The first one we went down, it obviously got canned oh. because the the roof had a bit hanging off it. Uh, so all the way back up to Fraser, that's a four or five hour bus journey. And then uh, I was a student at the time. So I uh, Wednesday afternoons, you kind of had uh, for study or sport. So I got back on the bus and came down. And then obviously we all know what happened that night. It was bloody awful. So yeah, um, yeah, that season's pretty well burned into my memory as well. The, the thing the thing I remember was like about two weeks before that game, my dad said to me, I mean, we, we were already well out of it in the league. My dad said, yeah, John Barnes is not going to last at Celtic. And he explained to me why. He met John Barnes at the stadium um, that earlier that day. And my dad has this poster that has been signed by every Celtic manager since Jimmy McGrory onwards, right? And he want, obviously wanted John Barnes to sign it. And John Barnes is like, who, who's this on my position, the left wing? And my dad's like, that's Jimmy McGrory, former Celtic manager and all-time greatest goal scorer. A, a big, a, a biggest goal scorer. And John Barnes is like, yeah, but, but what was he a left winger? What's he doing there? I was like, oh, mate, no. You're, you're not going to last at Celtic saying things like that. And sure enough, two weeks later, he got the bullet. Oh. So we've got some comments about John Barnes, just for fun, before we get back to the game. 
John Barnes wasn't a coach's arsehole. Uh, RR77, Barnes' biggest mistake was the England rap. <laughs> John Clemens, Barnes tried to play Brazilian style without Brazilians. And then Mark Vaduke. Well, there was no shortage of fannies in the team. So. <laughs> <laughs> Barnes' team Sorry. was flying until last and broke his leg from Strange Love. So, yeah, well, um, I think we'll get back to the game. So, I think we still have another goal to talk about. Uh, some players to talk about. So, Paul, get, run us run us through to the end of the game. Yeah, well, the game, the game, the sec after we scored the second, the game kind of settled into a pattern where where they um, we sort of allowed them to have more possession, and we sort of funneled in and, and sort of defend. I don't know what the possession stats were second half, but I would say they were more pretty even. Um, but we we defended well. We were you know well structured again. We broke up play. They rarely got in. Uh, behind us, their best chance of the half was uh, that debacle Scott of being honestly. That, yep. like, uh, we've uh, you know, you guys have covered it, we've covered it. Um, you know, pretty much every podcast covered the the fear factor of being of being being our number two. Um, but yeah, we were pretty we we're pretty steady for the rest of the half, apart from that. Um, and then yeah, uh, Dyson goes on scores on absolute worldly, uh, to finish it and put the you know, basically put the the cherry on the on the iced cake. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant cut back onto his left foot, and then bends one right in the top corner. And you know, we've I well, I've set, I certainly touched on this multiple times, and you know, a fair few people have as well. Is you know, fans get frustrated with Maeda. Obviously, there's been a bit of controversy across the last few days on on uh, social media with various people's view on his contribution. The thing about it is. We've got to accept he is what he is, right? If he added the lethal finishing of Kyogo to the rest of his game, he's a 30, 40 million pound player. So, he's, he's not, not playing for us. Exactly. <laughs> he's not at selling, yeah. right? He's, 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 he's not at selling. So, so he scores a phenomenal, phenomenal finish. He has two others saved, and then he, he literally makes an arse of the one that um, – O'Reilly tucks away because um, it's easier to finish that right than, than miss and somehow he gets himself you know in a model and it comes off his backside and, and luckily O'Reilly's um, followed in but yeah you've, I think we've just got to accept that I think we've got to accept his his benefits and the, his virtues and forgive you know some of his deficiencies because overall he he adds a hell of a lot to the squad um, but he's also a player that you, you can use a little bit in rotation as well Um because he pretty much plays at ninety minutes always, and he flogs himself. So I am I I think he is one that we he, we he's so valuable to us both from a defensive point of view and an attacking point of view, and he worries defenders, but he does his work rate back as well. Uh, but we probably need to just manage him over the the course of the certainly up until Christmas when we're we're playing all these matches because he's a massive uh, asset as much defensively as he is attacking um during during those big games and and you sort of don't want to uh, flog him so great finish another great contribution and yeah brendan's absolutely spot on you know you don't feel like you've got 10 men when you've got somebody like him covering the grass or in this case <laughs> the plastic so we've got some comments here as well so andrew glare made wouldn't be without his eccentricity Mahesh's hold your horses story around Ange coming from Maeda. No, not allowed. And if Maeda had a great consistent first touch, he'd be snatched, snatched up by a uh, top team in a top league. Yeah. 
So, Liam. Hmm. Mater. Right. All the talk online. Let's just get into it with the player-focused stuff we've been talking about. Here's the first one off the bat. Hmm. You've got some people on, on Twitter not mentioning others, but shout out to Laura, you're a good, good human, keep your chin up. But you've had people giving some hot takes on Maida saying he's rubbish. You've had others saying he's a walking contradiction, like he does so many things well but doesn't do this well and everything. And then you've got other people who just love the guy. Mm. We all know you have a massive man crush on Maida, so I'm giving you the floor here just to, you know, <laughs> drool and everything because we've had a comment here from um, I'm trying to find it where – Someone was saying in the comments that, you know, Michael Ross was saying, nice to see a more controlled performance from Liam today. No smutty one-liners on naughty innuendos. I thought he would have given us one by now. So I've given you a hey, chance hope, to just pour it there. How does anyone wear anything apart from the Celtic top? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> the funny thing is, though, Liam, when that comment comes through, mm-hmm. the very next sentence out of Paul's mouth was talking about someone flogging themselves. So... It kind of, I saw that comment, heard that, and I'm like, hmm, I have to bring that comment up now to come back to it. So it's Paul doing the smart thing. Liam, but over to you, Liam, about Maeda. Right. Um, yeah, first of all, just just our, our mutual friend, Laura, absolutely wonderful person, very knowledgeable about football. I vehemently disagree with her take on Maeda, but you know what? That's healthy. Debate is what football is all about. And she and I have had very healthy discussions about what we think of Maeda as a player. And it really is sad that not everybody's capable of doing that. Um, you know, I think that you like a player or you don't like a player, but you know, there's no need to be an arsehole about it. Um, and Maeda actually, when you think about it, it kind of reminds me of when Georgia Samaras was at Celtic because there's very few people who are neutral on him. You either absolutely love the guy or you think he's a complete donkey. There, there, there's like, there's. Hey, Liam, few, I'll, yeah. for you. I'll put my hand up yeah. here. I'm one of them people who's not a massive Samaras fan. However, mm. I will say he has wonderful hair. That's about oh, yeah. all I'll tell him. <laughs> You'll get cancelled, Jared. Wait for the pile on. Oh. Can't say that about gorgeous Georgie. What a player. I, I, what a I player. I look forward to it at Jared82 underscore come at me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw a comparison between Maeda and Didier Gat because apparently back mm. in the day he was quite divisive as well in terms of like people either thought it was it was work rate, but his crosses could end up like halfway to Edinburgh sort of thing. Or, um, you know, do you, where do you... I think it depends on what you're looking for in a footballer as well. Like, because we're all we're all human, we all gravitate towards different sorts of players for different reasons. Um, and as Liam says, you know, if you can articulate your point of view, that's all right. And if you're having a discussion about that, talk about the issue. Don't play the man, or in this case, the woman in Laura's case. Like, if you don't agree with someone's opinion, that's fine. Voice your opinion and leave it at that. Like it doesn't have to become nasty or personal. And I think you said it best, Paul, in the group chat. If you're not, if you wouldn't be willing to have that conversation over a pint of beer in a pub or in a club or wherever you are in the world, should you be doing it online? And the answer is no, you shouldn't. If everyone just had a wee take a wee breath before we sat hammering the keyboard, 
and just, you know, I think the world would be a better place. And ultimately, Celtic, we're a broad church. We've got millions of fans all across the world. We're all going to have slightly different opinions on certain things. And we just have to all, like I said, be respectful of one another. And, um, and yeah, like I said, articulate your point of view. And if you don't agree, you don't agree. Fine. That's okay. That's all right. That's that's healthy debate and discussion, as, as Liam just said. So, um, you know, if, for me, Maeda, yes, at times he does frustrate the hell out of you. Um, but then you see the guy at 95 minutes into a game playing with 10 men, and he sends a defender the wrong way and then just scores a worldie. And you're thinking, there's your man of the match. I mean, I was touch and go beforehand because I thought Matt O'Reilly had a really excellent game and he scored. And I thought, well, Matt O'Reilly's got this for me today. But Maeda was a very close second. And then Maeda goes and does that with literally the last kick of the game. You're thinking, my God, that man's your man of the match. And I know Greg Taylor got it officially, but um, the guy's work rate is just... It's phenomenal. I mean, it, 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 you can't you run out of superlatives to 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 describe it. But you know, he did the run of the two men, and I think he is your backup centre forward. And I think Paul's right. We're going to have to manage him because if we're in Europe and Kyogo's shoulder pops out or he's not available, then I'd be wanting my Ada to lead the line. It wouldn't be O for me. O can come off the bench, but I'd be having my Ada leading the line. So I think his pace would worry opposition teams. And in Europe, when teams maybe play out a bit more and play up a bit more, he'll get more space. In Scotland, it's hard because teams sit in. I think it was Dash with Celtic, Paul, that thing he posted about how deep will Livingston's backline be. <laughs> and it's like somewhere in the Mariana Trench. Um, so, you know, it, it, that doesn't suit Maeda. Maeda needs space. And it's why he has good games against the Huns as well. Because he A, keeps Tavernier quiet. And B, he gets in behind and he causes all sorts of problems. Yeah, the cross doesn't always get there. And yeah, he missed times he's run at the back post. But more often than not, he's an asset and he's an, he's an 8 out of 10 in those sorts of matches. So for me, I mean, spoiler alert, we normally do this at the end for the, the weekend review, but I'll just come out and say it now. He's my man of the match for the for the weekend. <clears throat> yep, I yep. still agree. He's my man of the match as well. But on that as well, Anthony, like, Having a bit more room, Maeda as your backup striker behind Kyogo is perfect because I see O as more like this season's Edward in his first season at the club where he had Dembele and Griffiths in front of him. So Brendan's going to bring him along and then come next season, I think he'll be ready to go to another level. But looking at him at the moment with Maeda playing as a striker in Europe, yeah, he's going to get more room. We're going to see the the guy who starts for Japan at striker over Kyogo. That's the guy we'll see in Europe playing as a striker. So if we go with two up front and he's allowed to play as a striker, happy days. I'm excited for it. Who else at Celtic has scored in the last 16 of a World Cup? I mean, he's not just playing up front for Japan. He's playing for up, up front for Japan at the very highest level. 100%. And the fact of the matter is that so many managers keep picking him, and he's one of the first names on the team sheet as well. Ange did it. Um, then you've got, what's it, Moriarty. That's the guy who did it. And now Rogers is doing it. Well, clearly there's something there. Yeah. So we've got an Anthony Maguire in the comments here. It's not saying, 
the beauty about Maeda, if he stuffs up, he doesn't seem to worry. He just gets on with it. And that's exactly yeah. what it is. It's spot on. I thought you were commenting on your own show there, Anthony. Jeez, double man of many that talents. May that may or may not be my old man, but it's not me. So <laughs> that just be weird. That was like the guy on Twitter who was like commenting and then forgot to change his account and just like commented, like replied to his own comment. That's oh, was that the one that the one that wrote the big spiel about about he was an AAK Athens fan and he got attacked by Celtic hooligans no. and someone's like, yeah, mate, you're 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 you're, you're Handle is like Billy sixteen ninety. I don't think you're an AK Athens fan. <laughs> there was one of them in the NBA oh. where it's like Kevin Durant, one of the star players over there, had his own little burner account, and someone was commenting saying that calling him trash, and he's actually responded without switching his account, and yeah, so responded from his burner. He's just like basically paying out on the coach and stuff like that, saying that he's not getting the right shots, and yeah, he got caught out. So good fun. Always be careful if you're going to do that stuff on Twitter. Yep. Anyway, we'll uh, get on to the next player, Matt O'Reilly. He said he was pretty much going to be the man of the match. For me, I think I think he's been our player of the season so far. For me, it's going to be either out of him or Maida. Um, He's gone to another level under Rogers. He's playing well. And his leadership ability is starting to come out a bit more and more as well. So I really liked liking the way he's going about it. Paul, how do you think O'Reilly played on the weekend and in particular over the season? Yeah, so he we've started it, spoiler alert, he was my man of the match regardless of uh, um made a run him close and Taylor was was real close for me as well. I think he had a he was he was phenomenal, um, right back to his best. But O'Reilly just gets better and better. Um the the upper ceiling for him is could be really, really high. Um He's what he's actually seems to add for me. What he's added is this season is his defensive contribution is so much better than it has been previously. Um, he's always been a threat attacking, his you know, his assists and link up play is great, but he's really added this like additional. And we saw a bit of it last season when he filled in for Cal, um, in the in the sixth role, but he's really sort of added that. He's he's probably been given the responsibility to to drop in next to the holding midfielder. Usually it's Cal, like obviously it was Iwata for, for part of the second half. And he he's sort of really been a bit more of a dynamic box to box midfielder. He, late in the game, he was the one getting blocks in in the box when they were pushing, and um, before we scored the third and sort of sealed it. Um, he regularly was sort of found himself on the edge of the box, just mopping things up as they tried to get in behind and cut stuff back. Um, and he, he was he was he was neat and tidy all day long in terms of his. He barely misplaced a pass all day long, um, and obviously he's he's fallen in and got the hunger to get that goal, um, which pretty much sealed the game. Uh, so yeah, really impressed with him. Uh, look, the the one time that we probably were disappointed in him was he missed three good chances in the St Johnston game, and we were all frustrated because we dropped points and you know nil nil at home to the bottom team early in the season is always going to have a bit of a you know, negative impact. But in hindsight, and we probably did touch on this at the time, but at least he was in there. So he, you know, if you keep putting yourselves in good positions, you, 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 you know, even if you miss a few, you'll, you'll, you'll get your awards eventually. Um. So yeah, he's he has been our standout player of the season. Four goals in six matches, uh, domestically, and and really standing up, particularly in big games. He was great in in Rotterdam. He was great at Ibrox. Um. And and for me, he was man of the match yesterday as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, really pleased at his development and and as the guys have said he seems to be thriving under Rodgers obviously early in the season he had a couple of sort of 
passive aggressive digs at the, at the previous regime comparative to now but you can see he's enjoying his football and he's he's obviously um loving the role that he's been given by by Rodgers and he would be one of the first team name and uh, one of the first names on the team sheet for Rodgers I would think at the minute Liam what's your thoughts on O'Reilly and then give us your thoughts on Taylor as well yeah um I agree. O'Reilly, most improved player since Rogers came in. Um, best player of the season so far. Our most consistent performer. Even when the team have been not great, he has still looked like our best player, even when the team's having a bad game, a la St. Johnson. Um, yeah, absolutely wonderful player. I was worried that he might have been one that we would lose in the summer, and I'm so glad that he stuck around and uh, he's just continued to to develop and uh it's great that we managed to hold on to him and Hatate because I I genuinely thought we were going to lose one of them I thought you know that was two of our most sellable assets going into the last transfer window and the fact that we still have both of them is is incredible um and you know in the fullness of time the team will be better for it and uh yeah I, I, he's a great player, a great, great um, contributor, both defensively and attacking. Like box to box, as Paul said earlier, that's exactly what he is, and it's um, it's great to see. Really, is great. It's been a while since Celtic have had a player like that. The other thing I would say is, is he's he seems just like a good human, right? Like Ange used to talk about signing good good humans as well as good players. His interview post match on Celtic TV. I don't know if you've all picked up on that, but he talks about. Um, one and there's a the quote that got me was um he was asked you know is he you know does he feel like he's improving and is you know is that what he's striving to do and he said I dedicate my entire life to being a better footballer and a better person and I just thought that was a like he seems just have really a mature head on young shoulders what is he 21 22 um uh, yeah so he's yeah it's just good to see a guy that grounded and that dedicated um and, and sort of switched on so yeah nothing but uh, nothing but high praise for for Matt O'Reilly. Yeah, you know, and just, just to touch on, um, sorry, just to touch on Greg Taylor, he was he was also excellent at the weekend, and he's been excellent the last few games. It's been great to see him, like you say, get back to the high levels that we know he can hit. And all summer, everyone's saying, "Oh, we need a left back, we need a left back." And as long as Greg Taylor continues to perform, um, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't. We don't need a new first choice left back as long as Greg Taylor ups his game and continues to up his game. So long may it continue. Yeah, Lord Lord Flashart. I think that was one of Taylor's best games in a solo tick shirt. But yeah, um, I was just going to say a bit to Paul about um, O'Reilly. For me, what he's um, reminding me of is his game, the way it's evolving, and he can play defensively and come forward. And also having an old head on on his shoulders and all that sort of stuff. He reminds me a lot of Stuart Armstrong when he was with us. I've just picked up on just two quick things just to round it off. So with Matt O'Reilly, um, as we were saying before, those chances he got um, against uh, St. Johnson, he didn't really sort of leather them. He tried to sort of place them into the back of the net. And I noticed on the weekend, he absolutely smashed that one at the back of the net. So maybe he's learned his lesson there. And then the other point I was making is that it was his lazy tackle that did contribute to the goal against Feyenoord, that free kick uh, right before half time. So again, I think he's smart enough 
and enough awareness enough to learn to eradicate that sort of stuff from his game. Um, and, and that unfortunately gets exposed in Europe. Um, in Scotland, you get, probably get away with it. But at the highest level, you get exposed when you make those sorts of mistakes. But I fully back him to be able to, um, you know, eradicate those sorts of errors and and, and be better in those situations. Um, I agree. He's been our most consistent player this season so far. Usually they say it's Cal Mack, but no, it's definitely been Matt O'Reilly. And then Andre Taylor, he was due a game because he has been subpar all season. Um, and I don't know, part of that is he doesn't know whether he's coming or going, whether he's playing sort of as a true left back or whether he's inverting. He did invert more on the weekend, and it definitely suits him better when he does play like that. Um, he was getting the space, and he was getting on the ball, and he looked really good and obviously set up the goal. But he was due a performance because at some point you'd have to start considering looking at other options in that position because he just has not been performing very well this season so far. Um, and I still think we need... If it's not Bernabe, then we need someone else to be putting pressure on Greg Taylor. Not that Greg Taylor's bad or whatever, but you need somebody putting the pressure on him at training so that he performs at a, a, consi- a consistent level. Because, yes, that was by far his best game this season, but it's a pretty low yardstick, in my opinion, um, this season so far compared to last season. So I'm glad he played well. He definitely was in contention for the man of the match between him, Maeda, and Matt O'Reilly. I don't dispute that at all, but... I'm just saying that, you know, that was definitely overdue in my book in terms of a performance. All right. Last... Yeah, just, just, no. just, sorry, on, just, just, just to add to that, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Taylor has upped his game now that uh, Alistair Johnson's back in the team. I think that he sees what Johnson's doing down the, down the right and thinks, okay, that's what I need to start doing. And the two of them seem to have this kind of synergy that when they're both playing well, they're both unplayable. When one has a bad game, they both have a bad game. It's, uh, you know, the, I think that Johnson definitely challenges Taylor, not in the sense of challenging for his position, but he sees Johnson as another fullback who is, you know, doing really well and think Taylor thinks, right, I need to get to that level. Johnson's obviously a better player at the moment but I think Taylor sees what Johnson's doing and thinks that's where I need to be and that's pushing him on there's a really cool interview between Greg Taylor and AJ on Celtic TV I watched it last week I think so it's actually really worth a watch uh, Greg Taylor's little series that's the third one but it was really good banter between the two of them so if you haven't checked that out yet it's definitely worth a watch yep so the last thing I wanted to touch on is how's the centre back pairing going with um, Scales and Lagerbelke, for me, I think no chance in hell did I think that would be our starting line, starting centre-back pairing in, in Europe, let alone in the league, and another clean sheet. Getting the job done through this injury crisis, I've got to give credit where it's due there, just by pointing it out. Like I think they're starting to build a bit of an understanding, so may that continue. Now yeah. we've got we've got some questions here to finish it off. So Mahesh has asked, who should be goalkeeper for an improved Motherwell? So when we play Motherwell on the weekend, it's got to be Bain because we don't really have many other options. I'd be looking at um, a free agent. <laughs> that's how much <laughs> that's how much Bain scares scares the living daylights out of me. David De Gea still available? Yeah. He is. Yeah, He's talking about retiring apparently at 32. So, uh, it's crazy. 
Your human yeah, if, you, if you're going to retire life. or come and play for us, what's your options? I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah. that just shows you that there are, there are still good players out there that, that are under freedom of contract and you could sign immediately. So um, we were remiss all summer. There must you know, You'd hope that there's at least somebody on the radar. It's probably not going to happen this quickly, but what it illustrates is what we're all terrified of. If Hart gets suspended or injured, you're stuck with Bane and it's... It, yeah. The problem, the problem yeah. we've had is Cedrus has been injured. If Cedrus is fit and Bain was fit, then you could turn around and say, "Well, all right, you have a proper shootout for who your second best goalkeeper is, and then potentially you could turf the third one off." But we've been in this holding pattern probably for a while now because Cedrus hasn't been fit. And then, all right, you got Scott Bain. He Scott Bain also ticks the box of being a Scottish player, so for Europe that's important. And that, you know, so. Bain will start because Bain's a European backup goalkeeper as well, so you, you may as well give him the the run out. But it kind of just quite it just raises the questions like where's Cedarson all this? Like you know he's obviously not really forcing the issue. He's coming back from injury. Is he fit? We don't know, but he's not even making the bench. So you're kind of thinking, well, like you know, there's potentially a wage that could go to someone like you say a free agent or anybody else to put a bit of pressure on on Joe Hart. Um, Because again, you know, Joe Hart's, I I think he's one that's really pulled his socks up because pre-season he was looking a bit shaky and, you know, there was a massive swelling in the support that we were all worried that he'd fallen off a cliff in the summer between seasons. Um, But he has bucked his ideas up and, all right, yeah, you got the red card, he was committed to that. But, um, but, you know, he's been been playing reasonably well. So, um, but you, you just... You're only one injury away from Scott Bain being in goals. <laughs> and then you're like, all of a sudden, it just changes the complexion of things. So it's an area we need to sort out. And if not not in the next transfer window, then definitely the one after. It's got to be sorted out. Something's right happened there. We yeah, we just got we're too many goalkeepers of a similar similarish quality. We need to find someone who's a clear successor to Joe Hart and and succession plan or whatever we've got to do to make it work. But something's right have to happen there. Smell the glove, unfortunately, will be Bane. RL77, come on, let's get a sing-song going. <laughs> <laughs> and then Peg Leg Lonigan, Bane's a walking bomb scare. What were you going to say, Liam? I was just going to say that I'm, you know, as as a former goalkeeper, um, I'm not comfortable with any goalkeeper who's happy being number two. And the problem is that Seacrest and Bane both seem perfectly happy to be backup goalkeepers and just collect a wage. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I can understand it in the sense that, you know, at Celtic, it's a higher wage than they would get anywhere else in Scotland. And they're probably not good enough to play at any level higher than that. But... It Mark just, Bosnick syndrome. Yeah, I don't I don't like that. Okay, Liam. <laughs> Ross has given you the call up. Hey, then, um, I'm not free, mate. I charge plenty. <laughs> RL77, can we play Bain and Segrist in goals and have one less outfield player? <laughs> play my hair, that is covered. Peg Leg Scarecrow would be better than Bain in goals. <laughs> All right. So a couple of things I just want to touch on so we can start wrapping up the pod. So we've got at the end of the game, a kid ran out on the pitch to go see the players. Security tackles him. Brendan Rogers. Goes jogging over, pushes a security guard, get walks him back to the back to the fans. Seen a lot of people saying at, in that moment, 
Rogers had won pe- won the support back over. What's everyone's take on all of that? Can I be the party pooper and say, okay, I know it was a kid, but it was a bloody good tackle. I'll give credit where it's due. It was a good tackle by the security guard. But no, nah, that's just, just that's a shit move. You don't tackle a kid. Like, yeah. But anyway, that's just my take. But anything to add on that cons- whole situation? If you're a conspiracy theorist, then he was a plant and uh, <laughs> Rogers was able to swoop in and uh, polish up his reputation with the... Uh, the fans that are um, still a bit, uh, a bit cool on him, but uh, no, it was not. Look, it was heavy-handed by the stewards. I get that they're not supposed to let people onto the pitch, but um, it was nice to see. You know, it was nice to see the boss step in, or, or you know, if it wouldn't have been him, it should have been one of the players, and and you know, get him back into the the crowd without any repercussions. But yeah, if you're a cynic, then uh, it's not done. It's not done. Uh, Brendan Rogers' reputation any harm at all. So, uh, look, I think ultimately results will be what will drive um that that change in um that change in view by the by the those that are still harshest um but yeah doesn't do him any harm i did see um brendan rogers did a lot of credit for that victory on the weekend from a tactical point of view so i think that those sorts of results in adversity and if he can get a couple of results like that in europe it would even help even more but um, I definitely think that sort of 10 men tactical sort of, you know, the way he went about it. it actually, it just reminds me of Edward scoring the winner against the Huns at Ibrox. And um, <laughs> it just gave me that feeling. Um, when I saw it, I went, oh, this is what this, what this is like. But um, David Martindale could only talk about 11 versus 11. Funny enough, he didn't want to talk about 11 versus 10. Um, <laughs> poor Davey. Um, that was actually my next thing. That was comments. Well, I know. Just, sorry, I, I'm just, I just, just, we may as well just roll into that. We're, we're running out yeah. of time. So, Liam, did you listen to his comments? I mean, he was. I, on, I, I don't know what he was on. About. <laughs> I didn't. I, I was just going to say to Jared though that after watching the rugby the other night, I think the Aussies should check if that steward's got an Aussie passport. Or if there's any way to get him one. <laughs> there you go. There you Guess go. What? You're not even going to comment because. I don't care. The Wallabies are shit anyway, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> Couldn't be worse, but yeah. Nah, Martindale's comments. Just the guy. If the guy had a clue. He lost it twenty years ago. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. he he went on for he went on for about seven minutes talking absolute nonsense, and then he eventually made a line somewhere along the line of Celtic were the better team. And it's like, maybe you should just have started with that and just saved us the five minutes of drivel that he's had before it because he was just, like I said, he just absolutely ranting and raving and just didn't really, oh, I got some of my substitutions wrong. It's like, mate, you brought a bunch of hammer throwers to a gunfight and you just, well, yeah, anyway, well beaten. And uh, that plastic pitch keeps Livingston mid-table most of the time because that was their first defeat in seven at that ground. Um, and that just gets them so many points where that team sh- that that team shouldn't be getting points most of the time because they were just horrible to watch. And yeah, the less to say about them, the better. To be honest, because it's just yeah, take the victory up the road and just yeah, forget about the spaghetti head because it's just where football goes to die. Apparently, they've just been bored out finally. So the way I look at it is, their new owners want to pass the fit and proper persons test. Rip up the plastic, put a proper pitch in. That should be step number one. Yeah. I was just going to say that Anthony mentioned something about Martindale making a line, and I hope everybody appreciates the self-discipline I showed there by not making a cocaine joke. I'm just saying. 
Martin Deal. <laughs> I'm ready to go. So we'll just quickly touch on it. The B team played in a um, testimonial against Air United yesterday. So in the starting lineup, you had five first team players. So Kobayashi, Kwan, Tilio made his debut. And then you had Vata and Mikey Johnson. Um, yeah, so there was quite a bit going on there. They all got a game, was one all draw. Apparently Tilio didn't play the best because, you know, he's unfit and trying to work his way back into things. So that's to be expected. But from an Australian point of view, two Aussies started in Tilio and Bonatig, the young kid we've just 17 year old we just signed from Western Sydney Wanderers. So Good to see another couple coming through because there's a nice been a nice connection there. Um, we we're going to talk about the recent results for the Champions League group opponents. So, Atletico Madrid won uh, won three one against Real Madrid. So there's that. Nazio was struggling. It's going to be. Uh, and then uh, Feyenoord had their game called off after they were three nil up or something, battering Ajax because of ultra trouble. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting little while coming up now with our Champions League games. Could be, uh, we said at the start that the Athletic won top everyone else is playing for second and third. That was what I said anyway. So, yeah, got anything to add on those boys? Yeah, well, I, would, I like... would just say that. So, sorry, Paul, on you go. <laughs> I was just going to say it looks like Ajax are in a, a right state. They're well down the, down the league, but... Even then, three 0 away. Um, because it was at, well, um, fine odd were away. Um, yeah. to be for them to be three 0 up, and, and I think it was about 56 minutes it got abandoned. So, um, and then there was rioting outside, and yeah, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty terrible stuff. But, um, I saw that uh, Schlott uh, was sort of was a bit disappointed because he couldn't really celebrate the result and you know, didn't didn't feel as, as victorious as it should have done because of how it panned out. So however bad Ajax are having a season, you'd still expect them to to be more competitive than they are. So um, it shows that, you know, we were very disappointed with how the game went on Tuesday, but it sort of gives a bit of context that they clearly are a good side, even if they didn't have a great, you know, they didn't look great in the first half against us. And, and that maybe puts some perspective on how well we performed in that first half. Um, Atletico are the best team in the group. I, I think, that's that's clear. Um, to you know, struggle to get you know probably anything out of those two games, but that's where the, the Lazio game and the Feyenoord game at home are, are are absolutely massive. So we've got to try and win both of those games and maybe take something from the Rome game that would give us seven points. I think that might be well should be definitely be enough. I think to get third. Um, and and really, I think that's probably that's one would be punching one place above where we're where we're drawn in, and I think that would be a reasonable result from this group. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think we beat, um, you know, we can beat Feyenoord at, at Celtic Park. I think that's possible, right? That That's possible. They are a very good team, no question. But I think we competed with them for that first half. And I think if we've got, you know, hopefully a few players back by then, we can we can give them a game at Celtic Park and possibly get a result. We can absolutely do Nazio home and away. Then that's nine points. That might just might be enough to get us through in second place. Sounds easy when you say it quickly. <laughs> Aye, well, you know, no points. <laughs> <laughs> Wait and see. Yeah. Watch this space. 
Well, I was going to say back on Paul said about like um, we're talking about the game getting called off, and I mentioned about like the ultra issue. All I'm going to say is yes, they got a game called off, but they took 56 minutes. Can't you do it in the 20th minute by throwing a bucket of sand into the opposing goalkeeper's head? Come on, that's all I'm going to say. You might need to learn something, you 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 Dutch fans. If you, if you know, you know. Otherwise, check out on YouTube. Aussies do it properly. <laughs> no, Melbourne, there you go. All right. Um, Macklemore is wearing the hoops in his concert in New York. It's everywhere. whoop de doo That's all I have to say. I don't really – his music's okay, but, yeah, I'm like, good on him. He's wearing the top. whoop de doo That's my opinion on that. I just wanted to touch on it. Now, before we finish off, I've got a couple of little last things before we have a final thought. So, Anthony Paul – we normally finish with a final thought. It can be anything, a statement, no discussion required. It can be anything from music to my foot's itchy to whatever, right? You can just chuck whatever in if you find. So start to think on something there. Kayla has said, hi, Uncle Liam. So, oh, well, we miss Kayla. Hi, Kayla. <laughs> so I thought nice to put that one up there for you. Mm. Michael Ross has put this comment up about the Scottish refs. Refs in this country are a joker as they say, pan. What is that, Liam? <laughs> Something to do with oranges, which I'm not going into. <laughs> I actually Googled it so, while you were talking before, so I knew what it was. And the last question Michael Ross has asked us question for the panel What flavor of pot noodle is your favorite? There we go. We'll start with you, Paul. I haven't had a pot noodle in about 25 years, so I wouldn't even know what, uh, what options are around. So, uh, Probably something spicy, I would say, but that's as much as I can give you. Sorry. Got an answer, Anthony. I've abandoned my working class. I don't have pot noodles either, but I probably do like a salty beef, like a bovrily type sort of flavour, because that's my go-to when it's cold. So, Liam, beef and tomato with uh, doner kebab being a close second. There you go. <laughs> I'll just go. I'll just go chicken, plain and simple. There we go. All right, final thought, boys. So I'll go here. My final thought is we touched on it a little bit earlier in terms of Twitter. Just be nice to each other on there. No need to be a prick. Paul, your final thought? Well, yeah, we, we in the weekend review, we usually touch on some of the rest of the league. So um, last week I confidently suggested that Aberdeen would uh, – would dig themselves out of the mess they were in um, and quickly rise up the table over the next few weeks. And they went and pumped Rusk. Well, they had a very good performance against Eintracht Frankfurt on Thursday, albeit that they didn't win. And then they um, they went and gave Ross County a pumping yesterday. So um, that's quickly put, pushed them up the league. And I would expect Barry Robert Robson to, to dig continue to dig them out of the, the issues they've been in. So just a little uh, toot of my own horn from, uh, from last week. <laughs> Um, mine's just uh, Hun Twitter is just hilarious at the moment. So if you're sort of still wanting to laugh, it's just it's just rolling on week to week. Um, the fact that they are booing their team after winning one nil against Motherwell, apparently they were time wasting. This is the Rangers players, not the Motherwell players. Um, it just it's just rumbling on at the moment. So plucky, scrappy one nil victories for for Rangers. So uh, long may it continue. That means Buell's in a job for a bit longer. Just waiting for the Graham Murdy bat signal to come out. <laughs> I've seen that they're they're calling for Alex McLeish, so you know they need to. 
you know that things have gone badly when Alex McLeish is getting the uh, the call. He's, like, oh, he's a bit dear. rusty. He's a bit rusty. It's like, what? Oh, and Liam, before we go to your final thought, RL77 said onion bear flavor pot noodle. <laughs> Big Leg Lonigan was cream bun tears flavor. And Liam. Uh, we we, we, too, we were too bitter for me, unfortunately. <laughs> Liam, your final thought to finish the show, mate. All right. Okay. Um, final thought. Well, I, we were talking about Hun Twitter there, and I'm just going to. Uh, share a wee bit of hilarity that my dad sent me last week. Um, Huns were having a, a, a wee confab to discuss uh, ideas about how to generate income. And one of them said, I've got it on good authority that Roy Orbison's a bear. He loves the fact that we play Penny Arcade every week. Get him to do a concert at Ibrooks. It will sell out, guaranteed. And, a, and then someone said, um, you realise he's been dead about 40 years? And someone's like, what? Really? Huh? <laughs> I had to bite my tongue. I was dying to, I was dying to jump in and say he's been dead even longer than your club mate, you know. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. We'll I'll be back on Thursday for the Thursday session. Thanks, Paul, Anthony, and Liam for joining me tonight. Hail, hail. Hail, hail, hail. hail. Podcast Network.